matters of the mind. Are you looking for answers, ideas, or just want someone to listen to you so you can vent? Join Dr. Peter Sacco as he discusses what matters most, issues that surround the mind. He gets to the heart of the matter when it comes to issues involving anger, depression, addictions, fear, anxiety, relationships, sex, abuse, bullying, and everything concerning you. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. Well, hello there and welcome to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us each and every week. And I'm going to say each and every year because, folks, this is our last show of the year. I'm Dr. Peter Andrew Sacco, and with me is my co-host and producer, Todd Miller. And we're going to bid you adieu for a few weeks. Yeah, we're going to go shopping and we're going to go, I don't know, do all those wonderful things that you do at holidays. See the family, uh, maybe eat a bit too much, you know, just... uh, have some fun and really uh, relax for a couple of weeks. Yes, and it will be fun. And folks, I uh, just want to once again, thank you so much for all the feedback you've given us throughout the course of this year, the great emails, the great tweets, uh, Facebook postings, everything and anything. And if you've got show ideas for 2016, please definitely keep them coming. Yes, or any guests you want us to uh, to interview, if you've somebody just... you've. You know, seen somebody or heard somebody and you want us to grill them, we will do that and put them through the paces. Uh, We've been told that we're pretty good interviewers, so it would be fun to get uh, someone that you really want to hear on the show uh, next year. And with that in mind, we've had comments and suggestions for the show that we're actually doing today on Christmas spending, or should we put it in the vein of Christmas overspending? Because a lot of people will get themselves heavily in debt, spend with you know, very much outside of their means. And then come roughly the end of January, when the bills start to show up, they're going to go, oh, my gosh, what the heck happened? Yeah, it's, um, you know, as we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks, there's just an expectation. There's pressure that comes at the holiday season to get the perfect gift, to, to be the person where you walk up and you give them the gift, they unwrap it, and they look, in, look at you and you go, you know, thank you. That's exactly what I wanted. It cost you a week's salary, but you did it. And that's that's really what those wonderful commercials that run on TV attempt to do is to sway you into buying the three month salary worth of diamonds and, uh, you know, the furs and the things, the big ticket items that commercials are so great at attempting to convince people they need to buy. And I think, you know what, Todd, that's the million-dollar question, and pun intended here, is are we still looking at Christmas as being too commercialized holiday still? Because I remember that used to be the dig on it years ago, that it lacked its luster, it lacked its true meaning, it lacks the ability for people to just come together in the nostalgia of the season. And I wonder, is it still too commercialized? And do people just not care anymore about the true essence of Christmas? Um, I think there's, in my circle, there's been a bit of a resurgence to getting back to the true meaning of Christmas, whether it's the the um, the spiritual part of Christmas or the focus on family and getting away from the, you know, kids, you're going to get 28 presents and uh, dad's going to need a second job to pay for them. I think it's it's slowly moving away from that. And there's still um, a, a grand portion of society that, that looks at the gift giving is the be all and end all. And I don't really think that's what it is personally, but um, that's fine. I mean, if people want to express their love and, and their adoration that way, that's that's acceptable. As long as you don't go in debt, as long as you don't do it to um, excess. And our, our guest is going to talk a little bit about that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then later on, we're going to be, uh, that's going to be Terrence Shulman from the, the Shulman Center who specializes in um, shopping addictions, hoarding, uh, kleptomania, you name it, Terry focuses on it. He's a tremendous guest. We've had him on the show before. And then later in the show, we're going to be joined by Ellen Campbell from the Center for Abuse Awareness. And I think Ellen's going to address some of the issues that, you know, around Christmas about being um, kind of in tune with your emotions and feelings because Christmas can be one of those seasons where you do a lot of excessive drinking, um, engaging in addictive type personalities and possibly even feeling lonely. Yeah, there's there's just so many stresses and I know there are a lot of people that are alone during the Christmas season and there is a, a very pronounced um, sentiment that the holidays are about family and you may not have family or your family may be vastly different than what's pictured on, on traditional TV shows. So we, we celebrate all of our uniqueness and, um, and, you know, just don't be alone for Christmas. If you can call someone, if you know someone that's alone, by all means, invite them over, whether it's dinner or just afternoon tea, reach out and try and do something a little bit different this Christmas to make sure that someone who's alone doesn't stay alone all the time. Definitely, folks. Be a difference maker and reach out to somebody. And with that said, we're going to be no longer alone, the two of us. We're going to be joined by Terrence Shulman from the Shulman Center when we return after these messages. Matters of the Mind, Wednesdays at 8, worldwide at talk-radio.ca. More of it right after this. The music you'll hear on Out of the Blue will be jazz for the most part. No specific styles or genres. Every piece of music is handpicked to deliver quality performances. Out of the Blue can be heard on rtds.ca, live Mondays, 1 to 3 p.m., and encore performances Tuesday to Friday, anytime on demand. It's the true spirit of jazz, a touch of everything and then some. Thanks for listening. I'm Larry Green. This is Dr. Peter Andrusacco, host of Matters of the Mind. Just want to thank you all for making 2015 a tremendous season again for our show, and we look forward to seeing you next year. Hey, do you like to read? I've got some free books from you. That's right. Yours truly have some really cool books you might find interesting, especially if you like The Walking Dead or are a Vampire Diaries fan. Check out my website, petersacco.com, that's Peter, S-A-C-C-O.com, and right now you can download Why in the Hell Serial Killers, Crazy for Vampires and Zombies, and also you can check out my book and download, Technological Raid, yep folks, they are free, and also for those interested in making a difference in anti-bullying campaigns, you can download three free ebooks right now, also at petersacco.com, and you can go to bullyingisforthebirds.com. Thank you once again so much, folks. You are the best listeners in the world. We exist because of you. Have a great holiday season this year. Welcome back to Mental Health Matters with your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. Welcome back to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us. And as we were talking about folks, it is the holiday season, the Christmas season, the gift buying and giving season. So we thought we would have a returning guest come to our show, as we were talking about earlier, a great guest, Terrence Shulman, who is 
the founder and the director of the Shulman Center for Compulsive Theft, Spending, and Hoarding. And at this great center, they deal with issues such as Kleptomaniacs Anonymous, Shopaholics Anonymous, Hoarders Anonymous, and Employee Theft Solutions. Hey, Terry, welcome back to our show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Happy holidays to you and your listeners. Well, um... You know, and don't take this personal that we're bringing you on as, as the native association with the holidays and the Christmas season, Terry. But um, with, with that said, I, I we brought you on uh, because you're a great guest, first and foremost. Thank you. And Thank you. Secondly, um, there are a lot of people that do get carried away during the Christmas season, the holiday season, into the New Year's. And you are probably the man to go to with this in, in terms of being the expert on this. So... First off, I, the best place I think to start again is, can you tell listeners a little bit about what you guys do at the Shulman Center? Yeah, thank you. I'd be delighted to. So um, we're located in Metro Detroit, um, and we do counseling and therapy both here locally, uh, but we also provide our counseling and consulting services by telephone or via Skype or even FaceTime. Uh, I've been a licensed uh, social worker and addiction therapist for almost 20 years, and my specialty is working with addictions, but in the last 12 years I've been self-employed starting the uh, Shulman Center, focusing on a few behaviors that are very prevalent uh, but lesser understood and lesser treated, uh, including compulsive stealing, primarily shoplifting and employee theft behaviors, which are quite prevalent, compulsive shopping and spending, and hoarding disorder. And um, so we provide both, we've got books, I've written four books on each of these topics. Um, we have information about local phone and online support groups. There's articles and video clips on our website, as I've been in the media um, many times over the last decade or so. And, um, you know, just if somebody needs to talk, uh, either for themselves if they need help or if they have a friend or a family member, I often get calls, you know, asking for advice or, or referrals. So we, we try to kind of, you know, help where we can, wherever anybody is, and, and whatever uh, help they're looking for could afford. It seems like this holiday season is right in your wheelhouse, and I don't mean to say that in a mm-hmm. bad way, that, that your work no. necessarily climbs, but I would think that there's a lot of pressure, and Dr. Sacco and I have been talking about this for the past few weeks, there's there's a lot of pressure to get the perfect gift, there's a lot of pressure to um, get gifts in general, and when money's tight, I would think there's... Um, some people that might turn to, as I call it, the five-finger discount to uh, relieve the stress a bit, to, to maybe go out and get something that they can't necessarily afford. Is that in your, in your practice what you find? Well, yes. Um, according to statistics from like uh, the National Retail Federations, and I think they're pretty similar here in the States as, as Canada, you know, there's a, there's a rough estimate that 10% of Americans are shoplifting with some degree of regularity at any given moment. So that's about um, 30 million Americans, and it's probably pretty similar in Canada. But I think it's safe to say from our research <clears throat> that during the holidays, um, almost all addictive behaviors go up. So we know drinking goes up, eating goes up, spending goes up, probably gambling, although I'm not positive. I don't have the facts in front of me, uh, and, and stealing from work, and, um, and obviously over shopping and overspending. So, um, yes, this, we, we, we still have, we do this every year where we talk about slowing down for the holidays and finding, hopefully, you know, a balance in the holidays. The holidays can be the best of times or the worst of times, as I like to say. And a lot of people are feeling pressures, 
even when finances are a little tight, as, as I think they are for a lot of people still, um, it's that time of the year where people you know, feel very obligated to splurge, either on themselves or others, and it's easy to get carried away. Um, the only interesting thing is that the trend has been more to shop online than actually at stores. I don't know about in Canada, but I would imagine it's pretty similar. But in the last couple of years, uh, there was a tipping point here in the U.S. where more people were shopping online and more dollars were spent online than at the stores, and it's continued to, to, to go up, you know, even this year from last year. Um, that may be good in terms of preventing possible shoplifting and employee theft, um, but, but shopping and spending, I think, are getting increasingly easier and accessible, you know, at the tap of a finger to buy stuff. So we really have to be careful, and a lot of my clients who are shopaholics um, have trouble primarily with online shopping. Yeah, I'm glad you bring this up, Terry. And I was thinking about you the other day, and I was gonna. Mm -hmm. I, I want to follow this up with a question. But one of the things I was thinking about. I live in Niagara Falls, Canada, um, mm -hmm. and I work in the states quite a bit, lecturing over there, both sides of the border, and I shop over right. there quite a bit. And back yeah. in the day, in my how should we say my late teenage years, early twenties, we it was really cool that. There was a lot on the American side, which was drink and drown Wednesdays. Um, mm -hmm. yep, yep. Ladies' night, they're free. Buy one, get one free. Blah blah blah. And then eventually, what we they found a lot of you know professionals in the field, especially those with drinking and driving issues, uh, and law enforcement. They said, "Gosh, this is what's encouraging this. This is actually what is causing the problem." And now they don't have this anymore. So let me ask you this: the whole thing with the Black Friday, and. Yeah. Normally, it used to be just Black Friday, but and I think Todd could tell you, we were having this up here in Canada, Black Friday, right. a week before. And now, right. up here in Canada, normally we have the Boxing Day blowouts, and there's a, right, right. a furniture company up here that's already starting their Boxing Day sales. Would you liken this the same way for shoppers, the shopaholic, that this is their drink and drown? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about it that way, but, but yeah. Um, now, I even read recently that Black Friday has apparently moved overseas. I think there was a story I saw uh, recently online in, in the U.K. where now they're actually taking on Black Friday, you know, as, as uh, kind of they have, apparently they hadn't done that before, really, you know. So now they're so it's spreading. For better or for worse, America often is the trendsetter uh, for a lot of, uh, you know, uh, kind of uh, rituals and themes. But, um, yeah, I think... People are beginning to shop more and more earlier and earlier. I mean, I've noticed uh, this after Halloween, even October 31st, it's like, boom. You know, November 1st, it already is kicking off. You know, you hear the Christmas uh, music on the radio and the, the TV ads and the flyers come in the mail. So earlier and earlier, um, and because people can shop online, too, they have Cyber Monday, obviously, but now they got Cyber Monday and a half, Cyber Tuesday. So I think we've got to be careful as human beings. There's so many prompts, and, and we're all um, you know, exposed to this daily. And, and again, because of the Internet, we're on the computers and we're on our phones, and there's pop-ups. I think the prompts, and there's product placement more cleverly in movies and TV programs. It's just it's full on, and of course, everybody's tracking somehow uh, our spending habits and our whereabouts. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, a, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think, you know, just, whoa, how do we kind of get back to some real choice in living our lives, how we want to live them, and not kind of 
buying into keeping up with the Joneses or the Kardashians and, and just getting in, you know, being like, you know, little kind of manipulative, manipula- easily manipulated little uh, robots. Um, and, and, I, and I worry about that because I think that's, that causes ultimately a lot of stress in people's lives and a lot of dysfunction. It's funny that um, one of the, the um, I, I guess it's a disorder that you, you uh, deal with is, is hoarding. Yeah. And this to me, and from what I've talked to, when I, what I've learned from other parents is they try and set an example for their kids, not to stave off hoarding, but to, to get through the ritualistic process of letting something go before you welcome something new into your life. And what they do is they say, okay, Christmas is coming, Hanukkah is coming, and mm-hmm. you're going to be getting presents. We need to make room for those presents. So we need to get rid of something or some things that you currently have to make room. We can donate them. We can give them to someone less fortunate. What are your feelings on that? Is that a good practice to teach kids how to let go of things and, and potentially not become hoarders in, in a future uh, time? Yeah, you know, that's a great point. And I've just actually really started to think about that. I've been working with hoarding only about seven or eight years. Um, I've been working with stealing and spending a bit longer. And I got into this because I saw a lot of crossover with my shoplifting and shopaholic clients. I also have a middle brother. I'm the oldest of three who began hoarding after, you know, years of being kind of a neat nick and of course we've all seen the tv programs on cable so i was really interested in this topic but yeah if we can start with our children and i was actually going to say that earlier you know just in terms of all the shopping and the spending i mean the kids are watching yeah they may be part of the ones begging for stuff but i think we are the adults and finding that sweet spot in the middle is not easy between you know not wanting your kids to feel deprived but not overindulging them and i think you bring up a great point just letting go of things and, and particularly teaching them about you know maybe people who are less fortunate in the values of of donating things and making room for things and and limits to things and unfortunately i think a lot of adults don't do that for themselves or feel kind of caught up in the uh the trend of getting their kids everything because johnny down the block you know has it or you know just to keep them quiet because they're the parents are so busy and they're so tired all the time because they're working two jobs, you know, and, and it's a vicious cycle because often we're working harder and harder because we're trying to afford the lifestyle that we're creating. And so it's, you know, it's a vicious cycle. But I love the idea of, you know, having children learn how to make choices, distinguish what is really important to them, and, and, and to let go of things because um, there's a big problem with hoarding. I think it's growing and growing, too, uh, you know, internationally. You know, the, we, we didn't used to have these uh, storage unit places on every mm-hmm. corner you know, when I grew up. I'm 50 now, but, you know, you see them all the time. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, you know, who's, who's got all this stuff that, you know, you don't have enough room in your own home. But it's a uh, $23 billion industry here in America, just, just storage places. It's huge. So, yeah, I love the idea of teaching our children not only about spending and budgeting, about right, wrong, and honesty, and the kids are watching. So if we're being dishonest as parents or mentors, they're, they're zooming in. They're, they're noticing whether we lie, whether we take something, whether we break a rule and sneak into a theater, whether we tell them, shh, 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 don't tell them you're 12 years old. We want to get you in to the movie theater on a children's ticket. You know? uh, and no parent is perfect. I'm not, I'm not trying to be like a, you know, a total purist, but we really do have to kind of think about what's really important and what we're teaching the next generation. 
Well, it's funny, Dr. Sacco rouses me about this, you know, that I, I, I wouldn't classify, classify myself as a hoarder, but I would classify mm. myself as a vinyl record collector, and I do have an extensive <laughs> collection. Yes. But in this process of me moving, I'm moving in the next couple of mm-hmm. months, I've uh-huh. really re-examined what I've got and yes. I've become less what I call precious about some of the things right. in my collection. And right. I think for me, it's been sort of cathartic to say, yeah. I'll never listen to this. I have it because I have it. That's the wrong yeah. reason to keep it. Why don't you give it or share it to someone who's really going to enjoy it? And I have to say, it's been really refreshing to to um, to go through that process and say, like, I mean, I had hundreds and hundreds of cassette tapes and some rare stuff, which I've kept, yeah. but for the vast majority, I, I'm not going right. to listen to it. Let's give it away. Right. Well, then you're not really a hoarder. <laughs> we may all have little hoarding tendencies. Like, you know, I mean, I have, as a matter of fact, later today, I'm going to go through some stuff and donate some stuff and clean some stuff out. But the typical hoarder, um, and the difference between a hoarder and a collector, by the way, and we're, we're, we're all entitled to have our eccentricities and collect things, even if people think it's excessive. That doesn't mean you're a hoarder. But when people start to collect multiple collections and everything becomes a collection then it starts to look like hoarding and when they're in disarray or you don't even know where things are it starts to look like hoarding and you made a great point too you know when people move generally that is a prime opportunity to downsize whether you know have a garage sale or donate things or put them just out on the side of the road for pickup by whoever but hoarders generally just bring it all with them hmm. Generally speaking, they bring it all with them, and if they don't have room in the smaller place, it goes into a storage unit. Um, so that's a classic example, and that really stymies a lot of people and a lot of couples. I've worked with a number of couples who, who the prompt for dealing with the hoarding behavior on the part of one or both partners was they were going to move, and they, didn't, they couldn't get rid of stuff to even clean out and stage the house for, for viewing and for sale. And it really, you know, and it's easier said than done, um, you know, to just call the 1-800-GOT-CHUNK junk truck and load it up. There, there is a extreme attachment to the items, a lot of anxiety that, that, that corresponds with letting go of things, fears, fears that I'm making a mistake, fears that I might need something later, uh, you know, a sentimental attachment to objects. So, it, you know, the, the common theme that I, I kind of have in the work I do is, for the most part, it's all related to stuff. So whether you're stealing stuff or money, um, you know, from work or whatever, but a lot of people are doing stuff, stealing office supplies or equipment, um, buying stuff, overbuying stuff, accumulating stuff, having trouble letting go of stuff. So stuff can be like a drug um, in the way we use stuff or misuse stuff um, and, and the overemphasis we put on it in our lives, you know, creates a lot of, um, a lot of heartache and, and dysfunction. It, it, before we go any further, Terry, and I know somebody's going to be asking wanting to ask this question because we are taping here and then later on tonight they're going to be emailing me going yeah smuck why the heck didn't you ask them this question because you know i'm not worried or, <laughs> right. or concerned yeah. and, and the question then is in your humble and professional opinion what would you describe as a shopaholic so somebody going into the christmas season shopping season whatever it is that they're getting into will go oh my god am i a shopaholic because i've overspent i've done this i've done that what is the classification or the qualification okay. for a shopaholic? So we got to be a little careful. We got to look under the hood before we make judgments. So we do know that on occasion, at different times of the year, including you know the holidays, that people go on binges, um, and, and they may not do that during the rest of the part of the year. So uh, 
they may not be a true alcoholic or a shopaholic or a foodaholic. They may just go on binges. But those are warning signs. You still have to be careful because it can start to take root and you can really have a bad time, even if you drink too much on the holidays and then you get pulled over for DUI or you overeat and then you get sick or you overshop just on the holidays and New Year's Eve comes and you get the credit card bill and you're freaking out what a way to begin the New Year. So those can still be problem areas, but you may not be a shopaholic, which usually like an alcoholic, you want to look at the behavior over time. We don't have an exact period of time. It's not necessarily a year, but, but it tends to get chronically worse. It may be a slow process. It may be a longer process. It, it tends to also be defined by negative consequences. Um, so is the shopping creating debt? Is it creating arguments in your family or with your partner? Is it um, interfering with your focus on work or your time and energy to do other things? And generally speaking, with almost all addictions, there will be some aspect of deception and secrecy. So the classic case is the alcoholic who's you know, wife or husband has been kind of nagging them to slow down on their drinking, or the boss, and, and they start to find out that they have to sneak a drink, or the foodaholic, or the shopaholic will often um, lie about where he or she has been. And by the way, men do have this problem too, almost as much as women. Or, or they'll, they'll open up a secret credit card account, or they'll try to come home to retrieve the boxes that come in the mail before their honey gets home, or they'll even get a, I hope I'm not giving people ideas here, <laughs> a P.O. box, you know, that's, and, and, and there's a term called financial infidelity, and I didn't create that term, but I love it because when the partner eventually finds out what's been going on, and often it's way down the line, and there's already been an enormous amount of debt accumulated, not always, but, you know, it's a shock to the system, and it often feels to many partners as if their partner had actually had a real affair, an emotional, romantic, sexual affair. That's how, because trust, um, and it's broken, and it has to be rebuilt. And um, so, the, it, it's a, you know, if you think it's a problem, it might be a problem, and look into it. Try to catch it earlier rather than later. The problem with shopping is it's perfectly legal. Everybody does it to some degree. It's greatly encouraged. And our goal is not to have people never shop again, but to learn, like with eating, how do you find a moderate balance and what is really driving at the core your need to stuff your face or, or, or overdo your budget. And, and that's where it really gets interesting. Uh, <laughs> we've we got to go to our first commercial, or uh, another commercial break, but our first one with Terry. And when we come back, we're going to be talking more about um, compulsive spending, hoarding, the whole nine yards. And somebody had just sent me, um, ironically, a text message because they knew I had you on the... <laughs> we had you on the radio, Terry, and just as you were talking about um, ways that people actually go about um, kind of hiding their spending. Right. This person actually asked me a question almost yeah. in unison with what you were talking about because okay, okay. they were currently doing this and they wanted to know if that was, um, if they had an right. issue with it. So I'll just defer them and listen. They can listen tonight at 8 o'clock. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If you're hiding it, as a general rule, it's probably becoming a problem. Uh, so stay tuned. We're going to have more things not to do, uh, especially in my life. I'm going to be learning lots of great things about what not to do right after the break. You're listening to Matters of the Mind and Listen Up Talk Radio worldwide at talk-radio.ca. Buying or selling a home, condo, or investment property may be one of the largest transactions you'll ever make. It's important to gather as much information as you can, and preferably from experienced, successful professionals. When it comes time to make your move, call the Mulholland Ross Real Estate Team with Keller Williams Real Estate Service at 416 230 
or visit www.realestatetoronto.com. Whether you're making your first move or selling your much-loved family home, the Mulholland Ross team offers over 26 years of real estate sales and service across the GTA. Listen every Sunday at 4 p.m. here on Radio That Doesn't Suck to hear the team share advice and information that will assist you with your personal wealth through real estate. Questions or topics you'd like to see covered? Email info at realestatetoronto.com or call the Mulholland Ross team at 416-230-8500. Welcome to my new book, Niagara's Most Haunted Legends and Myths, which is not just a book about ghosts and haunted places, rather about history in the Niagara region. This book explores and uncovers parts of the Niagara region which are considered some of the richest in North American history and the most haunted. As a matter of fact, one of the bloodiest battles in North American history, the War of 1812, between the British and the Americans was fought here. And this year, the bicentennial year anniversary of the War of 1812 is covered in this book. This book explores most of the haunted places, legends that have existed from the 1800s right now to 2012. Each chapter covers a different type of landmark which not only educates readers on historical significances, but also entertains with anecdotal ghost stories and paranormal investigations. Join me in this book as we visit beds and breakfasts, ships and boats, trains, tunnels, museums, mansions, highways, forts, cemeteries, waterfalls, and many more, and see if the Niagara region is really haunted. Niagara's Most Haunted Legends and Myths is now available at Indigo Chapters and online on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com and visit our website, www.niagara'smosthaunted.com. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Welcome back to Mental Health Matters with your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. Welcome back to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us each and every week. And today, what's mattering most to us is compulsive spending, compulsive shopping, hoarding, kleptomania, the whole shaboot and shebang. And with us is Terry Shulman, who is the founder and the director of the Shulman Center, which treats compulsive theft, spending, and hoarding. And before we went to break, we were talking about what is classified as compulsive shopping and that kind of stuff. And kind of like, and I think Terry had brought this up, like there, there is a line, you know, and hobbies. Like, you know, Todd has his vinyl. And when I say vinyl, not as in the dress-up stuff. But no, 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 no. As in, as in records. <laughs> and myself, I do love movies, collecting movies. And yeah, yeah. Also, Marvel and DC action figures and all that kind of stuff. And um, Well, that's so, the first time I've heard that. Now, this yeah. is new information. I, yeah. I think I kind of volunteered that up, uh, actually, to Joey Pantoliano at one Comic-Con we were at their time. Oh, okay. And then I remember Joey Panzer, we were talking about, I am into Robert Graham shirts and um, yeah. Own, yeah. Own yeah. Noir shirts. I really enjoy those in Tommy Bahamas. But, yeah. and as I think you said, Terry, there is a fine line. So let me ask you this then. Yes. Are most hoarders compulsive spenders? But I'm assuming that not all compulsive spenders become hoarders. Well, yeah, that's a great question. And uh, so I don't have exact statistics for you, but it's fair to say there's a lot of overlap, meaning a lot of shopaholics do often hoard, but, but it's probably a relatively small percentage. And a lot of hoarders actually 
are not necessarily getting into debt, though that can be the case. But with hoarding, there's, there's what we call um, active hoarding and passive hoarding. Now, active hoarding can include going out and buying stuff at the stores or online or at, even at the thrift stores. But active hoarding can also include picking up things by the side of the road that are free. Mm-hmm. It can also include, you know, you've got a relative who dies, and instead of distributing or selling some of the items that in the state sale, you just take it all into your home or put it in a storage unit. And, and, you know, you can even be a hoarder if the stuff is in a storage unit down the road, but you can't let go of it and you're paying year after year, decade after decade storage fees. Um, The passive accumulation hoarder, and this often happens with people both active and passive, you know, they don't throw things out that normal people would throw out. So old food newspapers that are five weeks old, magazines that are a year old, um, packaging material, bags, uh, Tupperware, styrofoam containers, things like that, kitty litter, you know, uh, and it doesn't take long for that stuff to build up if you aren't, you know, evacuating it. it. It's kind of the equivalent of, you know, going to the bathroom. Like, if you're eating, 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 but you're not evacuating, it builds up. Um, so, most hoarders are, are not shopaholics, and most shopaholics are not hoarders, but there can be an overlap. Okay, Terry, now I'm going to play the fun devil's advocate here. And I've got please, please. many, many friends and fans of the show that are really into The Walking Dead. So they, somebody comes oh, in yeah. and, says, and says, you know what, Terry, I'm worried and concerned about the zombie apocalypse or the end of the world. <laughs> And I'm not a hoarder, but I'm stockpiling food. I'm a prepper, a prepper, yeah. Yes, yes. So yes. what is the fine line with that, and how do you deal with somebody with that rationale? And what, what is the kind of foods that these people hoard? Is it all canned goods or what? <laughs> it must be like a rat infestation ready to happen. <laughs> well, I can't say I'm an expert on uh, understanding the psychology behind, behind apocalyptic thinking and, and preppers, although my, my, my brother and my nephew are big uh, Walking Dead fans. I've watched the show once or twice. But um, that is a phenomenon that's increasing, um, and I assume it's happening in Canada, too. But it's, it's, it's increasing here in the States. And, and, you know, I think there's some line between being prepared and being obsessed, um, and everybody will draw their own line. Uh, some people, you know, who are really uh, sure that the end of the world is coming, in their mind, they, they feel they're very sane and everybody else is a fool. So um, I think what happens for a lot of people I've worked with who hoard, many of them are older adults and they live through what we call the Great Depression. And I'm sure you had something like that in Canada, you know, as well. And, you know, where, you know, you had to, you had to really be thrifty. You, you couldn't throw anything away. You had to really prepare for bad times. And that kind of psychology really runs deep and it just becomes a habit pattern so that happens with a lot of the older adults and the, and the adult children are often very frustrated with mom or dad as you know they got to move them either into nursing home or the place is getting too cluttered that it's becoming unsafe or unhealthy and they can't let things go because they that's what they've been used to they've been taught that saving is a virtue you never throw anything out even and then but the the, the real problem with hoarding is it is classified now as a, a, an actual mental illness um, in 2013, it really was officially codified, and it is a distortion of thought because, you know, when you when you talk to your typical hoarder, they can't let go of even an old can of beans, and I think most people would agree there's something odd about that, and and the thinking is distorted. It's the thinking that I'm going to need this or use this, which sounds logical, except like you said with your albums, if you step back, 
no, you're probably not. Yeah. And, or something bad will happen if I let go of this. And, and it's a distortion of thinking in the same way as an anorexic thinking. She's looking in the mirror and seeing an obese person where everybody around her is seeing a, a skeleton. But her thinking is like, I'm fat. And the hoarder's thinking is, I've got to have this stuff. If, it, if I don't have it, something terrible is going to happen. I'm, uh, you know, it, they get all worked up. And preppers get all worked up, too. And I think there's a balance between being prepared with a certain amount of food for emergencies, even if it's not a terrorist attack or a nuclear attack or the zombie apocalypse. I mean, the grid could get knocked off. Out. We, we hear a lot about that. It's not a bad thing, but if it's becoming overly consuming, expensive, and it's interfering with your relationships, then you really want to think about it. So the, what I'm hearing then is I should throw that second coffee maker that I have out just that I'm keeping <laughs> in case the first one breaks. I don't need it. I'll go out and buy it if I need it, correct? Well, you can do what you want, but I'll tell you, if you start to have duplicates of almost everything or even triplicates, which is sometimes the case, then it's a little bit obsessive. But, okay. you know, we're all, we're all entitled to our quirks. We don't want to call everybody a shopaholic or a hoarder. You know, the old joke is, I know what a shopaholic is. It's anybody who spends more money than I do. Because we don't want to go into the opposite, because a lot of times with couples, sometimes there is a neatnik who is really... Uh, very aggravated easily by any kind of clutter, and they're calling their partner a hoarder. And that may not be true. You might have to look at yourself. Or there might be someone who hates to spend money, and they're really upset with their partner because their partner is just having a good time and enjoying their hard-earned you know, income. Yeah. You know, so it, it, what typically happens in couples is you've got one who leans more toward one way, one who leans toward another, and over time they drift further, further, further apart where they're the exact opposite, and it becomes a power struggle in a civil war. It's funny you mention that because my partner and I are at the same point where she is very... Uh, visual clutter drives her crazy, and, and I'm the opposite, where I don't right. mind it as much. But we're, we're finding a happy median, but right, exactly. which is the best thing. But I wanted to ask you about hoarding, and you mentioned yes. something earlier about, uh, you know, a relative dies. I find in watching some of the shows and in talking with my mm -hmm. circle that a lot of hoarding starts when a close relative passes, right. and mm -hmm. it becomes so emotional. They're afraid to throw something yeah. out because it's like right. the relative would say, what are you doing with my clothes? Why are you, why are you throwing my yeah. clothes out? What about my child? China, why aren't you using it? Right. How do you right. help a patient get past that emotional attach, attachment to the things? Yes. Well, I'm, I'm really glad you kind of brought that up because, um, first of all, it's a, it's a delicate and intricate process. And, and unfortunately, a lot of people are never going to even seek help, whether through reading a book about hoarding or about shopping addiction or seek therapy or a support group. Or, but, you know, for most of us, actually, what does tend to get the ball rolling in, into addiction in general is some kind of unresolved or traumatic loss or a trauma or something that's kind of unresolved. It might have happened early in our childhood, and it might have stimulated immediate kind of uh, a foray immediately into a certain behavior, but often it lays dormant, and we go through life, and we have other little losses and sometimes what we call micro-traumas, and then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, you'd reach a tipping point, and sometimes it can be a dramatic loss in the moment or just a building, and then people start to gradually overdrink, overeat, hold on to stuff, over shop. So sometimes it's very gradual in building and sometimes it's really abrupt uh, in our early, middle, or later life after a loss. And, and, and particularly with hoarding, that's, you know, the theory about it um, is that it's often rela uh, related to unresolved loss or trauma. And what happens is people often uh, are so afraid of, of losing something or somebody again that they hold on to stuff. Just like a little child who's afraid, uh, you know, of mommy going away or of daddy going away, and you 
grab your little teddy bear or whatever. It's a very kind of primal instinct, but it gets really out of whack. And it gets to the point where often hoarders really admit that things are safer than people. In other words, relationships are tricky. People can die. They can let you down. They can leave. They can disappoint you. They can betray you. But things, you start to develop a relationship with things in the same way that a person may become addicted to Internet pornography or to prostitutes or one-night stands where you have no emotional investment, and at least in theory, nobody, nothing can hurt you there. It, you know, it's a, it's a fantasy. So I think in general, a lot of times we have trouble uh, really dealing with our emotions, communicating effectively to, to loved ones, to even developing a healthy support system of, of human beings. And so no wonder we turn to food, to the bottle, to shopping, to hoarding, whatever it is, because I, I think a lot of, we're getting more and more disconnected, even with the internet and believe me i love the internet it can be a helpful tool but we've got to be careful about it you know the old joke is we're more and more connected in one sense to more and more people around the globe but we're less and less connected in a way too to ourselves and to our loved ones so i think a lot of this is related to to loss and and to trauma and and to emptiness so terry for people now going into the holiday season that are possibly already diagnosed as a compulsive shopper, a shopaholic, or they are a, you know, just ridiculous um, spender, what words of advice would you have for them um, so they literally shop within their yeah. means? So um, if, if a person is even listening to this or even having a vague notion that, you know, maybe I got a little bit of problem or I really need to be careful, you know, that's like kind of one of the early stages of change. You know, first there's pre-contemplation, like I have no problem. There's no even consciousness of having a problem. Then the second stage is, ha you know, having a notion that maybe I have a problem. And then the third stage is I really do have a problem. Um, maybe I ought to seek help and, 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 and hopefully taking those steps. Fourth stage is getting that help. And fifth stage is maintaining the help that you've gotten, the recovery you've gotten. But if you even think that you have a problem, I would encourage you to um, do some research, perhaps talk to a counselor, perhaps go to a support group like Debtors Anonymous, perhaps read a book, confide in a key family member or friend, try to develop a strategy uh, to either avoid stores or have somebody shop for you or create a budget or stay offline or you might have to relinquish your credit cards. And all that assumes that you're willing and able to do that. And if you find you can't, then you really do have a problem because you can't even, you know, keep yourself... In, in a kind of a, uh, a parameter. Um, and, and then I think a lot of people are going to need professional help and ongoing recovery support groups, ideally, to keep them in check, just like overeaters will go to Overeaters Anonymous or Weight Watchers. They often need support and they need understanding. And um, so I think, you know, think about the essence of the holidays and also think what the kids are, are if you have children, what they're seeing. Are you going to overindulge them and turn them into you know, shopaholic zombies and who are going to be in debt and who are going to make stuff, they're, they're everything above relationships. Or can you balance it between gifts, quality time, fun activities, creative activities, volunteer work? You know, uh, there's a lot we can do to welcome in the holidays where, of course, gifts can be part of it, but, it, you know, it doesn't have to be the primary focus of it. So I'm listening to you talk, and I would say this, I guess, if I had a problem, I would expect that people would treat me with compassion, because as you said, a lot of this is is a mental illness. There's a shift in thinking that isn't quite correct, and it's not just as easy as to say, you know, yeah. um, stop shopping. 
you know, stop right. drinking, stop smoking, stop whatever. It just right. doesn't happen yeah. that way. And I think we really need to look at people right. and treat them with compassion. It's a long road to recovery, I'm sure, for any of these um, these disorders. Um, so, and also maybe get a buddy during the Christmas season to help you shop. If you're going to yeah. tackle the mall or go online, have a buddy that's going to work with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we laugh at shopaholism. I mean, we've been starting to talk more serious about it, you know, in the last couple decades, but it's still kind of looked at in a funny way as, and some people even brag, I'm a shopaholic and proud when the going gets tough, the tough gets shopping. Hey, I'm going to engage in a little retail <laughs> therapy. You know, and I have a sense of humor, but, yeah. but for many people, this has been a devastating uh, addiction that has destroyed their lives financially, that has destroyed their marriages, that has um, put them in a hole where their children uh, you know, are going to struggle both emotionally and financially because money is spent that maybe was saved up for their college. I mean, it's, all, it's like gambling. You know, you, you're, you're wasting time, energy, and money, and you're chasing a high that is never-ending. It's bottomless. Um, you can have all the stuff in the world, and it still won't feel that, feel that emptiness. We've got to figure out what's really triggering this. What are, what's going on? What are the pressures? Um, what's, you know... Are, yeah. Why are you shopping, basically? What's the core of it? And, and you find out some really interesting stuff. Some people say, I do it because I want love, so I shop for myself because nobody loves me, or I'm shopping for other people because that's the only way they'll love me, or you, I have low self-esteem, I just have to keep up with, the, with everybody else. And we drive ourselves into a tizzy, and we miss the whole spirit, not only of the holidays, yeah. but of life in general. It's um, we become automatons, just kind of super-consuming and... And and, and and our deathbed, I mean, what are we going to look back at? You know, the old saying, you can't take it with you. What are you going to look back on? All the stuff that you have as your legacy or all the things you bought or, you know, what else you've done with your life? If I'd only bought one more pair of shoes, I would have <laughs> right. passed on easily. Um, and I guess, you know, just like, just like booze and drugs, the high yeah. each time gets less and less fulfilling. So, you know, that it would lead me yes. to think that maybe somebody might want to try something like theft because it's, it's riskier. There's more edge to it. Well, that does happen. A number of my shopaholic clients, partly because they usually max out their credit cards but still want all their stuff, so they'll turn to either uh, shoplifting to get the stuff that they want because they don't have the money for it, or if they're working, they'll turn to some kind of embezzlement or employee theft to get money or stuff that they don't have the money to buy for legitimately. And conversely, I have a lot of shoplifting clients who... You know, I've been arrested several times. Okay, you know, they kind of really kind of get, okay, I can't do this behavior anymore. It's too risky. It's too damaging. But they still want the stuff that they got used to taking, so they whip out the plastic and they start becoming shopaholics. So there's a lot of crossover. Um, and, and, again, it's just, you know, it's just really sad um, that we trade Peter for Paul often, one, one addiction for another, and we never really get to the core or figure out a more broad-based uh, life of recovery. Taryn Shulman has been our guest. He's the founder director of the Shulman Center for Compulsive Theft, Spending, and Hoarding. Thank you for joining us on Matters of the Mind this morning. Thank you so much for having me, and I, I hope you'll give out the contact info if people want a little bit of information from our website. Absolutely. Absolutely, Terry. Absolutely. So anybody uh, listening, definitely check out, uh, and Todd will be posting it on the website, the TerrenceShulman.com. So, Thank you so much, Terry. Have an exceptional holiday season. Well, thank you so much, guys. Uh, keep warm, and uh, I guess we can say, I don't know what hockey team you guys are rooting for, but hopefully we get a Canadian uh, Stanley Cup winner this year. 
<laughs> we, we got Rob Babcock now, uh, you know, ex-coach. Yeah, of the right, Rams. right. Yeah, Mike, Mike Babcock, Mike right, Babcock. at Toronto, right. And he hasn't yeah. done much for our team. I mean, no offense uh, to I him, know, it's the I team. Know. So we'll, uh, we'll be calling you New Year's Eve to commiserate okay. over our bills, okay, our uh, holiday right. bills that have come in. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio. More right after this. Welcome back to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us each and every week, and this will be the last thing that will matter to us this year in 2015 on our show, which we said, folks, is our last show of the year. So stick with us as we'll be back the second week of January, and we'll be excited to bring you more of Matters of the Mind and bring more of our lovely guests that we now have on the show. Ellen Campbell, who is the founder and CEO of the Center for Abuse Awareness, abusehurts.ca. Hey, Ellen, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing this today? I'm loving it. It just Good. continually feels like spring. It'll be cold for a couple of days, and then we go right back up like into the 40s for Christmas. So couldn't get any better than that. Well, we actually have a little bit of dusting of snow in Newmarket. <laughs> oh, I need <laughs> to move. <laughs> yeah, it looks a little Christmassy. I mean, it's probably gone by now, but we had some this morning. Oh, better you than us. <laughs> so, Ellen, um... The uh, 13 days of Christmas is well underway, correct? Your auction? Yes. Yes. And so, yes. You, and so people can still get involved by purchasing and bidding on items, correct? And can you tell people Ab- about that? Absolutely, yeah. They can still go to abusecerts.ca. Um, the 13-day auction shut down officially the other night with the items that were already on there. But then we're starting it up again because it was so successful and so many people wanted to continue to bid that we're, we're going to carry it on uh, probably till the end of the year, uh, at least another week anyways. And uh, so there's some really good items on there. I think one of the best items that, well, we got to think about $5,000 for one item, and it was um, you sports people with uh, in somebody's home with all the sports memorabilia, and the Q guys are going to be there, and I think there's a couple of, alumni guys for for a real sports enthusiast it sounds like it was a great package um i actually was i'm in the process of moving and uh, i found two things that i'd like to try and donate because i think one of them at least will uh will will get a sizable return and uh so i'm going to be in contact with somebody there soon to try and sneak it in under the wire hopefully it'll it'll and if not there's always next year Oh, that's nice. Thank you so much. That's great. And and I just think, too, I really urge people to go to the website. You go to abusehurts.ca slash auctions, um, and you'll see some of the items that are up there. Not all music-related. I mean, there's some wonderful gift baskets. I'm just looking at the website right now. There's some jewelry. There's there's pictures. There's prints. Um, there's really something for everyone. So if you need any last-minute gift ideas, by all means, go to the website um, and it's good that it's being extended, too, because, as you said, you're having such tremendous feedback that you can do more good with extending the auction. Absolutely. And we even have some beautiful furniture donated by Union Lighting. Because I think I've mentioned previously that we will be selling um, furniture as well. But Union Lighting are abs- have absolutely donated 
actually donated brand new dressers, an amazing dining room set, brand new. So I know one or two of the dressers are up on the site. I don't know if the dining room set is yet. So there's also beautiful furniture. And we will be continuing the furniture sales ongoing all year online. So uh, that's something your listeners might be interested in. The money, of course, goes to support, you know, the programs. So, Ellen, this is the last time we'll be having you on our show for this year. As this will be the last right. time we'll be on the show for this year. So, before we get you back into the new year, can you tell us, is there any upcoming events that the Center for Abuse Awareness will be starting in the new year, or any new programs that people can start getting excited about or interested in? Well, not new programs. What we, what we are going to be doing is we've just taken over a, a retail space, so we're going to be open to the public so people can come in purchase furniture. I think we'll also be having clothing as well, but certainly furniture, knickknacks, paintings, all that kind of stuff. Um, it should be open in January sometime, and uh, so if people want to donate furniture um, or come and buy furniture, um, we're in Aurora. That would be a huge thing for us. That's how we're going to generate a lot of our income. You know, charities have to get very creative about how you raise money on an ongoing basis because we don't take any government funding because, as you know, we lobby for legislative reform. So I can't take money from the government and then turn around and tell them we need to change some things. So yeah. all the money we raise is, is through, you know, events, that Q107 big event. And now we're going to be, you know, selling furniture. And then, of course, that goes to the program for women or men starting off. And then, of course, this doesn't distract from the furniture that we're able to give away to people that are just starting off, but this helps supplement it. So in terms of other, um, how should I say, do you have any workshops upcoming or anything um, for people, victims of abuse or any intakes or anything that if anybody's interested, they have a loved one or they themselves want to come in for something? Or is there anything like that happening, like a symposium or conferences or that? No, there is a conference um, in February that the uh, Toronto Sex Crimes Unit is putting on. We'll just have a booth there, but we don't have anything ourselves planned as yet, Peter. Um, probably more into the year, absolutely we will. But for us right now, I guess our focus has, you know, is, is getting our, our retail space going and just getting over Christmas. We're, we've done well over a thousand families already. Wow. So just getting our warehouse back in order, we can always use volunteers for sure. Um, and certainly I'll, I'll let you know as soon as we have something coming up. But if, you know, people can always contact us for any referral or resource if they're needing information or looking for help, by all means, they can contact us and we'll, we'll get them the help they need. Got a couple of minutes before we uh, before we break, and I wanted to ask you: Do you find that there's, um, with all of the additional stresses of the holiday season, we just had a wonderful guest talking about compulsive spending and, and other addictions that people are going through. Do you find that there's a, a rush for services, um, like, or maybe is there is the abuse more prevalent during the holiday season because of all the additional stresses? I think so, and then I think the alcohol abuse and everything, as you know, goes up. Yeah, for sure, and we know the suicide rate goes up. Interesting thing, too, that I don't know if you realize this, Peter, you may, but um, I used to run the Starlight Children's Foundation, and we found that a lot of the children would would die, like, in January or February. It's almost like they wanted to get to Christmas. Hmm. So um, even in that area, there's a lot more, certainly suicides, but, you know, children passing away at the beginning of the year. We do have some control over our own time clock, 
And, you know, children really wait to get through Christmas. So it it is a difficult time. I I really encourage people, again, to just not be alone. You know, there's lots of, you know, meetings, AA meetings and Al-Anon and all that, where they have specific meetings to get you through Christmas. Just don't be alone over Christmas. That's the worst thing you can do if you're having a tough time. And thank you, Ellen Campbell and the CCAA, for making a, a, a Christmas for quite a few families uh, this year. As you said, you've helped over a thousand people, and uh, it's you do good work. And we hope to continue shining the light on you and the CCAA at abusehurts.ca in the new year. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Okay. More matters of the mind right around the corner. Folks, that is a wrap for another show and another year. Thank you so much for making 2015 the best year, I want to say, ever, because it was better than the last, and 2016 is going to be even better than that. So have yourself a wonderful, very Merry Christmas and a great New Year. Absolutely, and please join us again uh, in 2016 for continuing coverage of everything uh, in relation to matters of the mind. We are here every week for you. And please, if you do need help over the holidays, we've got all of our shows on demand that you can listen to. Uh, Reach out to us, uh, and uh, certainly if you need help, 911 is the place to call over the holiday seasons. But hopefully we will see you all right back here in January on Matters of the Mind, Wednesdays at 8 on Listen Up Talk Radio. Have a great holiday season. You've been listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Peter Andrew Sacco. Get in touch with him on his website, petersacco.com, or find his contact page on Listen Up at talk-radio.ca. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash listenuptalkradio, on Twitter at listenuptalk. Thanks for listening and sharing our posts. We'll catch you next week.